Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello Australia, welcome to My Millennial Money. I'm Glenn James and this guy is... John Pigeon, The host of My Millennial Property along with Emily Wallace. John, thank you for um, imparting all your property wisdom to everyone. It's absolutely my pleasure. And uh, it's a good show. I listen to it myself when I jump in the car and need to, to do something. <laughs> bored. When I'm bored. Uh, but uh, yeah, it really is a good little property podcast that and mm. you guys geek out on the, all the property strategies. When you say little, you mean like... Time-wise, it only goes for half an hour or little as in we haven't really made too many inroads yet? Uh, either or, whatever, yeah. you, whatever yeah. you want, John, I'll agree with. <laughs> uh, but thank you to everybody who has already purchased a copy of Sort Your Money Out and Get Invested and that book will walk you down the garden path of getting out of debt, getting your mindset in order, building your sound financial house from the ground up, investing, you know, we'll talk deep. Um, people have been asking whether it's beginner, intermediate, advanced, it probably errs on the side of intermediate, which is good Mm -hmm. uh, because a lot of you listening uh, will already be at that base camp ready for some intermediate stuff. So, I heard it's like building materials in Australia at the moment. There's like a six-month wait to get this book. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, Yeah. except next week, they'll be shipped out from everywhere. Nice. And uh, just an update, those who do the Glenn James Spending Plan, you would have got an email from the team uh, to move over to the new platform uh, because we've now updated all the videos. So there's like 15 to 17 videos, all brand new content shot. So you can go in and rewatch it all. We've got a new version of the spreadsheet and that is all there. It's all updated, no extra cost. I am increasing the price to $99 on the 1st of October. So if you want to buy it before then, get in, get in, link in the show notes. And uh, if we do add any more stuff, we never charge more once you're in there. And in a couple of months, we will be updating a workbook that you can download, print and complete at your leisure. So again, no extra cost if you jump in now to do that. But if you have been on the fence, we really encourage you to make the purchase now because $99 will be from the 1st of October. And uh, we do these products to add value to you and also to pay the bills. So we're an independent podcast and uh, we we just need your support, but we want to add value as you support us. Absolutely. And you get splinters sitting on the fence. You do. So you've got to jump off. All right, John. All right. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Okay, first up, we've got a question from Harriet, and I would encourage anyone who wants to send a question in, send your question to questions at mymillennial.money, and we'll add it to the question bank, and Harriet here, she's recorded her, so if you do send an audio file, you will get priority because it makes it a better experience, so let's see what Harriet has to say. 
Hey Glenn, a few years ago I received 10,000 as an inheritance. I put this towards a car with a 20,000 loan on top, to which I've paid off now. I love my car, but I wish I spent the money more wisely to build my wealth. I worked hard to pay off the five-year loan within two years, and I'm now toying with the idea of selling it for what I paid for considering the market at the moment, which is about 32,000. And buying a used car for say 10,000, putting the rest towards a house deposit, what would you do? For context, I live with my parents and have minimal expenses now the car loan is gone and my main money focus is a house deposit. Thank you, Harriet. So the wash up is living at home, debt free, have a 30 grand car, 10 of that is an inheritance, wants a home deposit. What are you doing, John? Well, first of all, Harry, I think well done. You're staying at home. Uh, free vesting as a court. So stay there as long as you can to maximise your savings to get that house deposit. That's absolutely number one. Because I think a lot of people move out sooner than they need to uh, because they want their freedom and totally get that. But if it's only one or two years worth to to get that desired result of house deposit, um, it's well worth it in the long run. So she's selling the car to a $10,000 car and throwing the 20 towards the deposit or keeping totally. the car? Yeah. No, we're doing both. Staying at home, selling the car, downsize, get that 20 grand and uh, go and, yeah, increase. Well, so when you look at 20 grand and the time it takes to save that, like that's in a lot of cases, that's 12 to 18 months for a lot of people. Mm. So you're fast tracking your house deposit by then. And if you look at house deposit or house performance in the last 18 months and what it's done, that could be an extra 10% of value on a 500k property. Yeah. And my comments, Harriet, is I'm really reading between the lines here. John, I think Harriet's asking for permission to sell the car because, you know, we do in society and out there in the world, people freak out if you tell them you're doing something like that. Yeah. It's like, oh, you've got a really good car and you know, no, you've got permission to do it. If you change your mind in a year's time or six months time, go and buy another car. It's all good. But I would say a couple of things on that, Harriet. Number one, when we get inheritance, I really encourage people to commit most of that inheritance to an asset that's going to grow over time and also always be around forevermore. So you do have a $10,000 inheritance. So it could be, all right, we're going to carve off 10% of that to spend and have fun with. So it could be we blow $1,000 on a bit of fun and then that $9,000, we've got to do something with that money for the future as a legacy for the person who left it. Yeah, you've got to make it work for you, don't you? Yeah, and also, you know, reading between the lines, you're still living at home, so we will assume you're under 25. A $32,000 car, that's a lot of car. It is. uh, For most average incomes. Yeah, and it's probably... Again, similar to you, reading between the lines, it's mm. it's an it's an ego kick, isn't it, to go from a thirty grand car to a ten grand? For some people, it is. Like mm. for me, total hit of the ego. Yeah. But for Harriet, it could be her parents saying, "No, you've got a good, reliable car." Yeah, it's safe. It could be the friends. No, you've got to do this. Yeah. No, if we want radical results in our life, we have to do radical things. Yeah. And notwithstanding the fact, John, that she's worked really hard to pay down that loan sooner. Yeah. So we know that she's intentional, she's dialed in. At the end of the day, if you're on 150 grand income living at home and you've got a 30 grand car, mm. keep the car, pump your home, home deposit and move on. But if your income is 50 to 60 to $70,000, mm. 30 grand's a lot of money to be, to be tied up in a car. Yeah, and it was just 
purely because the inheritance came away, I presume that she's got herself a $30,000 car. Like if the inheritance wasn't there, was she going to make such a purchase? Maybe not. So we're here now, but I would really encourage you, Harriet, to lean in and get that home deposit as soon as possible. Yeah. Because more the fact that you are dialed in, like if Harriet had all this dead and couldn't control herself and, you know, yeah, it's just, it's all circumstantial and personal, right? Yeah. And, and it may mean she may not have people in her life that are on the same page as her. And this is why maybe she's reached out to us is to say, well, yeah, what do you think I should do? Let's get a sensible check on this because my friends are doing exactly what I've done. Maybe we need to talk to people that we are on the same page with the same sort of vision. Yeah, and that's what I thought the whole permission piece mm. because that's actually crazy. You're going to what? Sell your car and get a yeah. worse car? Yeah. You you crazy person. Yeah. Uh, but, hey, I, I would do it and – yeah you know, commit that $10,000 or that extra $20,000 to your home mm. and you'll never lose that inheritance. No. Never, ever. I actually did the same thing when I was younger. Bought mm. a car, over, overspent because it was my first job, rewarded myself uh, and then realised 12 months later, nah, this is stupid. Mm. Sold it and moved on. But yeah, don't worry about that, Harriet. Let's move towards the uh, future. Love it has sent in a question. John, I might get you to read this. It's a big case study uh, and it's a listener from New Zealand. So thank you for listening. Uh, do you want to just have a read of that, John? Hey guys, listener from NZ here. I remember in one of your recent podcasts, you welcome emails, etc., from people in other countries. So here I am. I feel like I'm living somewhat of a lie. Two years ago, I was able to purchase my first home in NZ on my own. What people don't know is that my parents came to the party with 200K and I was able to purchase the home using my Kiwi Saver savings and home start grant from government, total of 41k. So the house is paid outright, and I don't have a mortgage. It's now sitting at around 400k plus, but everyone thinks I do. Current situation is that I'm looking for full time work and have been for over a year now. Unfortunately, with the COVID situation last year, I lost contracts and clients with my own business. My partner of a year and a half moved in with me at the start of this year. He owns a home similar to mine but rents it out. He pays me a weekly board. I guess my question or some advice around this situation would be around next steps in getting ahead in life and setting me and my partner up for future retirement. Using my fortunate situation of the money I've made on the house and also my partner and I going in together on the next thing or keeping it all separate is the question. End goal is to build a home. Okay, so number one, I know it's all hanging on me getting a full-time job to be able to step foot in the bank. Number two, I know I have to pay my parents back as soon as that happens as they would like their 200k back to go towards retirement. Any advice would be much appreciated. Happy to answer my any questions you may have around this, cheers, Anonymous. And we're going to edit out um, <laughs> name out of that, aren't we, Nave? <laughs> okay. Did I say that? No, I did at the start. <laughs> you did. <laughs> All right. So, lots going on there. Mm. This is what I'm thinking. First, everyone's thinking, what's KiwiSaver? Well, that's the superannuation in New Zealand, and they actually allow people to take money out to buy a home. Uh, I don't know the details around that, but that's effectively what's happened. So um, Anonymous, she was able to effectively take some of her retirement savings and put into a home. Yeah, so my first thing, John, 
I always look at situations like there's a lot going on there, but yep. actually there isn't. So the first thing is we need to get you back into full-time work. Once we're at full-time work, the priority is to pay back the parents 200000 Now, the way I would see it, John, once we can qualify for a mortgage, we can go to the bank and say, I would like a $200,000 mortgage against this house to pay back mum and dad. Done. Like that's not going to be that hard. But it gets complicated because if you want to build another house with the partner, are we both selling our homes and throwing most of the cash into that one house and paying the parents back with $200,000. So, Anonymous, she contributes, you know, round numbers, 200000 to the build. Further, you would probably just want to work together with your parents' retirement advisor because it might not be beneficial for them to have $200,000 to land in their lap right away because there might be some other strategy at play. So, I would be first and foremost setting some realistic timelines around when you're going to pay your parents back and how you're going to do it. And that's either a cash out with a mortgage or selling the property, giving them half of the proceeds. Maybe you might want to give a bit of interest as well if they want that and put the rest towards the um, the new build. What are you thinking? What are you thinking, John? Yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, some good points there. I think the first thing would be a conversation of the parents saying how long or, or when do you need your money back mm. in an ideal world? Is it five years? Is it 10 years? Is it 20 years? How old are the parents, retirement and all those things you mentioned about, well, we don't want our 200K back if we're going to affect our pension or whatever else. So we've got to get that clear, don't we? Uh, the, the second part of it, obviously, yeah, as a business owner, maybe a little bit harder to get a loan. So it might be longer to- It could be at least two years. Correct. Yeah. So- we, we may be just doing nothing for the next two years other than just building our business and, and recovering from COVID, I suppose. I, I just look at the timeframes involved in, in building your home and is there any steps in between that? Because if you don't want your home for the next 10 years, what can we do in the meantime? And, and the whole focus, yes, I agree, get that 200 back to mum and dad, but can we build our wealth before we do that? So I think I would love to know how quickly we need that 200 back because a, a lot of people I speak to um, in, in Clarity Calls, et cetera, they say, well, we have to pay mum and dad back, but that, that's not for another 15 years. Yeah, it's, it's a funny one that, isn't it, John? Like, you know, when mum and dad say, oh, I'll pay us back in 15 years, mm. you know, that could be them saying, we don't want the money, it's a gift, wink, wink. Correct. But if mum and dad are genuinely needing that money. Yes. I think it's a fine line to walk that, you know, you don't want to be spending 30 grand on around the world holidays when you owe your parents lots of money. Because I think that's... So, I think you're right in the way that we do need to get some realistic expectations. Was this a gift? Was it... And I think in this case, it was just a bit of a, hey, we'll bridge you. We'll bridge you this and get it back to us by the time we, we need it. Yeah. Because loan to value ratio, the house is double, which is awesome. Like four hundred k at eighty percent loan to value ratio is three hundred twenty thousand. Mm. So if they've got a, a high serviceability, they could pull potentially two hundred fifty three hundred k straight away, which is awesome. But if the business is going to take two three years to recover, then that's just a pipe dream, isn't it? Hey, question: Do you get cute? Assuming that you know we've got a full time job tomorrow. 
and you know anonymous she goes oh stuff having my own business i'm just going to go get a job for a year or something like that yeah so if she gets a full-time job tomorrow and can service a two hundred thousand dollar mortgage we don't know what the house is like but would you ever get cute and go get a refi on the house pull 250 out of it throw 50 at it get it revalued or whatever and then sell it and then go and build the house like would you get cute like that depending on the market um, yeah, look, it's hard to say. Like if, if they want to build a home in the next three to five years, mm. the, the, I don't think they could do both. Now, I don't know the partner situation and, mm. the, and the value of, of that home, et cetera, but to build a home, you, you're looking at 500 grand straight away, aren't you? Um, minimum plus the, the cost of the land. So um, yeah, I, I think it's one or the other. It's pay the parents back because they need it sooner rather than later or, yeah, put all your energy towards building a home mm. with the view that you're paying them back later on. And realistically, if they did need that money within the next six months or year, you might have to go get a full-time job, at least three months, satisfy the bank because yeah. your income's not going to need to be huge, I would imagine, for a $200,000 mortgage with that good LVR. Shouldn't be, no, absolutely not. And, and Particularly this is- with board income. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but I think you can easily reverse engineer it, can't you? And just totally. chat to the mortgage broker and say, how much do I need to earn? Yeah. How much do I need to show? Is it my bass with my business mm. or is it just simply financial statements uh, or do I just go and get a job 40 hours a week and get it done that way? Yeah. And again, Anonymous, if you do want a clarity call with John, he has done them for international people. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, while he's not in the weeds of you know, the exact property locations and whatnot, but he can be that sounding board that um, that you might need to bounce something off. Funny story of that. I actually spoke to someone in New Zealand a couple of months ago. Yeah. I, hello, if you're listening. And we didn't do a Zoom or Teams hookup. It was just a phone call. Yeah. And I realised after the phone phone call that I didn't have international roaming. I sucked in. Yeah, so <laughs> I think I actually lost money on that. Yeah. <laughs> But no, it was a good chat. That's why you need to come over and get an iPhone. Oh, actually, I was thinking, <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to you at the end on that. And at the end, after this episode in the after party, we're going to do a bit of a clarity call uh, with me and my situation because I want to bounce some things off John mm. and we'll just give you a bit of a taste of uh, John's availability and the services that he can provide you just for some clarity. Sarah Bishop Hey, Glenn, John, and team, I'm just after some guidance. About me, 21-year-old female, recently single, casual worker, full-time student living at home for minimum board and no debt. So keep it that way, Sarah, no debt. I'm recently dipping my toes in the world of money and thinking of the future. Awesome. Like even if I stop reading there, how awesome is that? 21 years old, no consumer debt, thinking about money in the future. I know a goal of mine is to purchase a home to live in. When that will be, I have no idea. I'm also looking uh, at a bit of traveling towards the end of next year if COVID allows. So we'll just call it 12 months-ish. I want my savings to start working for me rather than against. And I've summed it down to the following possibilities. One, park everything into Ray's or Spaceship as it's easily accessible and can make some small contributions. It's also straightforward as I'm still learning Um, and a beginner at this point. Number two, bite the bullet and split savings 50-50 between cash in a savings account and contributing towards the first home super saver scheme or the share market. Again, 
I'm not too savvy with anything investing. It's intimidating, but I'm willing to learn. Option two, I would be sure that it has more bang for my buck, but I'm just thinking, haha. Would love some insight and help. Thank you, Sarah from Perth. Mm. It's probably three options there, really, isn't it? Because you, you'd separate the first time super saver from the share trading, I would have thought. Well, she said first so first home super saver or the share market. Well, option one's the share market. It's just accessing shares through micro investing. Yeah. So there's really Plus, I can see savings account. Yeah. Which is, I wouldn't do. Mm. But she's all new to the game by the yeah. sounds. Yeah. So yeah. I like obviously it, it comes back to knowledge and risk mm. profile, doesn't it? But yeah. like yeah, if you want to stick your, your money in a savings account, it might as well sit under the pillow at the moment in terms of return she's going to get. Yeah. So if she's happy with that, then great. But if she's not, then she needs to be comfortable with one of those other two options. Yeah, but the problem is, and I'm just going to correct you with love and respect, Sarah, like the Razor Spaceship, you are conflating that with a savings account where it's not, it's mm. an investment. Mm. And we know those types of accounts, we really want to have money allocated to there for at least five to six years. Yeah. Because everyone's getting these 20% a year returns, John, at the moment. There will come a time where you'll get a year of 2%. You'll get a year of negative one. Like mm. there will be a time soon where we're not going to have infinity returns every year and year. So yeah. I would say, Sarah, raise or spaceship, I would use only to start to learn about investing. Yeah. So And that could be $20 a week, for and, example. Yeah. So she spoke there about splitting 50% yes. cash, 50% yep. raise. Yeah. That's not a bad start. I think it's good. Hmm. Because the first time super saver scheme – you can actually, you, you can put $15,000 per financial year in there, John, but you can actually, you know, on the 20th of June, dump your $15,000 in. Yeah. So until she's kind of really got back from travel and, you know, 21 years old, if she's going traveling next year, if she gets the travel bug, she might not be ready to settle down and buy a home until she's 27, 28. Yeah. And, and that's why the, the raise split or spaceship works well, doesn't it? Yeah, I think... I think it's still too early for Sarah to commit to a longer-term strategy until her goals are absolutely distilled and until she starts to learn. Like, So, for example, I've got Raise Right and I've got like $50 in there. I use it just to be in the ecosystem and the Raise Rewards. She might connect it to get Roundups, even if she does $20 a week, just to start to see how you know, the markets perform. Yeah, yeah. But longer term on that, and yeah. she, she, yes, she wants to travel, which is awesome, but I would still put a goal out there for for that. If it, if it is the house deposit, mm. how much would I need? Mm. And whether that's made up of share results, raise, spaceship, savings in the bank, whatever it is, doesn't matter, but let's aim for a figure. That might be 50 grand, it might be 40. Yeah. And, and put some time around that. And let's be clear as well, still a full-time student with yeah. a casual income. So there's not yeah. going to be like hundreds and hundreds of dollars. No. So what I would probably think you'd be moving toward like maybe her income, splitting that up on a percentage way. Mm. So it's like, okay, here's your income. I'm just going to put 10% of my income every week 
into the first home super saver scheme. So in three, four years time, whatever, when I buy a house, I've got a savings deposit happening. Yeah. Then I might say, well, and then I'm going to put another, what did I say, 10%, for example. Yeah. I'm going to put another 20% in Razor Spaceship for some longer term investing that if I change my mind in a couple of years, well, if the market's crapped itself, all right, well, I just got to leave it in there till it recovers mm. and then live off 30% of your income. Um, yeah. And-, and then we got 40%, if my math is right, just to save cash because you're going to need cash when you go overseas. Yeah, correct. You, you might have a separate overseas account, mm. yeah. But awesome. Just, it, it's all about developing good habits from now, isn't it? Just 21 years onwards. Like, it is. I wasn't doing that at 21. No. And guess what? I just thought of something. What did you think? You know what I can do now? I can give away copies of my book to people as gifts. Yes. So this is what I'm going to do, Sarah, because this book will actually help you plan it out. So, mm. Sarah, I'm going to actually reply to your email uh, and get your address. We don't usually reply to questions at mymillennial.money because there's just so many in there. Yeah. Um, but I will get you a copy of my book and also in the show notes, I'll get Rachel and the team to put the Vanguard YouTube explainer videos in the show notes. And apologies if I keep saying this stuff, guys, but- You've got to assume that not every person like you listens to every episode. So that's why I need to sometimes repeat this. And those YouTube videos, there's no cost to watch that. And they're really good educational videos. I heard that. Yeah. So, but this is the good thing, John. She's 21 years old, living at home, minimum board, no debt. It goes back to that. I'm dipping my toes into the world of money and thinking of the future. She stays out of consumer debt. Anything she does, she can't wreck it. No. The only thing no. that she can wreck is if she puts money into super to save her first home and decides never to save her first home, she'll get a penalty pulling that money out. Yeah. And, and a side note to that, we don't know how long that scheme's going to go for. but uh, They would grandfather it. Yeah, correct. But just um, just be aware that you're always going to be rewarded when you do it for, in this particular financial year, but um, just don't expect that it will go forever. I don't think they will pull it anytime soon mm. but uh, so there you go Sarah there's a book coming for question of the week well done Sarah we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after this to talk about some high income earners John and this is the diversity of income in this podcast so Sarah just wrote in casual income full-time student we're going to talk about some people on some incomes of over 300k If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. All right, we are back. John, this person wants to remain anonymous and it's a female. Do you want to read her question? Hi there. Would love this answered on the podcast. Well, I've got that part right. Tick. My partner and I have a combined income of about 300000 plus super. We haven't had this income for long and have been focused on building our first home, so our money has been going into that. It's now being built and we're wondering what we should do after we move in. Probably furnish it. 
Um, we were able to save between 8000 and 9500 a month while living a very comfortable lifestyle. Do we invest? Question mark. Do we just smash out, smash the offset and pay off our house? We are grateful for this income and we want to use it wisely. P.S. I would like to be anonymous. Uh, first of all, awesome income combined. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's um, well done on getting to that stage. Um awesome savings, eight to nine and a half per month. So I look at that on, on an annual basis and give or take that's 100K. Mm. So in my mind as a property uh, no. focused right. person. Turn it off, here we go. Yeah, that's a new deposit every year. Now you've You're b- making some wild assumptions there, young man. No, it's not an assumption. Okay. So if you say, oh, I don't want to bore everyone with, uh, with the numbers, but- mm. 600k purchase, 10% deposit plus stamps, you're in for 80, 90 grand. Yeah, but that's not the wild assumption that I'm talking about. What are you talking about? What if one of them wants to take three years off to start a family? Yeah, well, I'm getting there, but I just wanted to give that example, right? That's where where my head went straight. Okay, so we've built our home, so we want to make sure that that's all done and dusted. Landscaping, furnishings, the whole works. Um, By the sounds of it, we can get that done pretty quickly. We want to, I, I, when I look at a new home being built or a new purchase for us to live in, the first focus for me is we want to smash that down as quick as possible, but we don't want to do that just for the next 20 years because that's what every other Australian's done prior to us and it hasn't worked. So let's, let's do that as our number one focus, but number two, uh, let's look at what our next goal might be. And as you said, Glenn, it might be having a family in the next three to five. It could be uh, investing in shares. It could be buying an, uh, an investment property. Um, so work out what that is, but also look at what that 10 to 20-year plan would be as well and then work our way back to this next decision right now. Mm. What are your uh, comments on this? Yeah, it's. I was like... I was driving, you know, for the locals in our area, I was driving down Tagra Strait of all places yesterday, John, and I was thinking so much, once we get to a critical mass with our money and our goals, and it was almost like Sarah in Perth, who's 21, you get some basic fundamentals in place and whatever you decide, you can't wreck it. No, no. Um, But what I would probably say is... You've got your new home, you just moved in. I would want to make sure uh, you've got your emergency fund in place. So you might need to carve out 20 or 30 grand depending on what your expenses are. So that could take three months to do. Secondly, we will want to make sure there's no consumer debt. So no personal loans, car loans, any of that stuff. We want to make sure our income insurances are in place because we don't want to lose that income if we can't work due to accident or or illness. We want to make sure our wills are done and estate planning. So we just want to swing back around and make sure those four foundations are done. Cashed up and debt-free, good spending plan, good budget, insurances, wills and estate planning. Then what we might do, we might even part of the spending plan factor in the income insurances because as you said, John, really good savings rate. If there is some death and disability insurance coming out of super, well, do we salary sacrifice a little bit just to cover that at the very minimum? And then we just, we just go back to, okay, well, we've been here in this new house for 10 minutes. As you said, John, yeah, we need to do that, put furnishings on the windows there or assuming and 
And even if you just did nothing in terms of big goalie things and just save money in the offset account for the next three months and then after summer, enjoy your home, go, all right, we've had a really good summer in our home because this is what happens. You move in and you're like, oh, let's get a new barbecue. Yeah. And you can afford a nice $2,000 one because you've got the money, you're debt-free and all that. So you go and buy a nice barbecue to enjoy with your friends. So there will be expenses that come up. Mm. So fast forward on, we might say, well, if the family is happening, well, let's just carve out $3,000 a month or whatever and put in a little time off work fund or something, set up another offset account. And then it's just do whatever. If you want to buy a property, save up and buy one. If you want to... If you want to just salary sacrifice and cap out your super each year, just do that and move on with your life. It really depends how complex you want your life to be. Yeah, totally. And they can they can stuff it up. Like they could go and buy some high spec investment and and it does go pear shaped. Mm. But but generally speaking, I think it's a it's a classic case of we've got a goal in our mind. We've hit that goal. Mm. Now there's a over the other side, now what? We're sitting around thinking, gee, we worked hard for those two, three years mm. just to get and that. And well done as well. Absolutely. Mm. To get that goal achieved, now there's a bit of, not deflation, but just like, okay, now we've got to reset and, and focus on what next for us. So, yeah, I think it, it's from an investing point of view, usually it's one or the other, shares or property or a combination of both given that you've got some pretty solid savings up your sleeve. But eight grand to nine and a half grand is a big variance. So I would maybe sharpen that and say, well, let's put our hand on nine grand a month as our figure and just lock that away into an offset. And then we know we can live off the rest and enjoy it. The spender comes out in me thinking, if you guys have just worked the last five years living on nothing to get to where you are, can you just increase your week on week spending by $100 just to- Oh, enjoy it a little bit more. Absolutely. But that, that's a personality play. You know, I've met someone worth $20 million driving around in a $17,000 Forester that's five yeah. years old. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. So it really is a personality play, but I'm not afraid to uh, spend money. I'm not afraid to give money. And I would say to Anonymous, make sure your charitable giving yeah. is considered. And I'm not telling everyone they need to give money. I'm just saying consider it. Yeah. And actually, John, in the spending plan, there's a new module that- um, is on giving and generosity. Yeah. And I don't know any important. other online money courses that teach that type of stuff. So no. go on in there and watch that people get encouraged. Um, Speaking of that, do you like oranges? Yeah. Yeah. When orange picking on Friday, I've got some spare ones for you. Oh, I might come and get them. Mm. Throw them in my car in a COVID safe way. They're fresh. Mm. Straight off the tree. Where from? A Rimba way? Duralong. Duralong, yeah. yeah. Drove through there this morning. Could have. When orange picking. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, so, no, awesome position that Anonymous has got themselves into and, and just, yeah, uh, you raised a good point there, Glenn. Just sit back and and be proud of your efforts so far and, and drink from the Kool-Aid, mm. um, but then refocus and, and set that 12-month goal, whatever it might be, uh, and then maybe think long-term, what are we going to do? What do, what do we actually want to achieve as, as opposed to just meandering through life um, on good income because mm. a lot of high income earners spend everything they earn. Yeah. And this is, they're in a good position that while I was jokingly slash not jokingly saying, make sure you're enjoying life a little bit, Yeah, but just keep a real check on that lifestyle and inflation. And I don't think they're the type that will. No. Um, 
Yeah, and it's just finding a system that works for you. And maybe yeah. it is like, you know, we save nine grand a month, hell or high water. And if one week we're eating baked beans for dinner, well, that's fine. Yeah, as long as you're happy. Yeah. Yeah. Good one. John, we will leave it there. Thanks for listening today, everybody. If you've got any value out of this, we would welcome you to forward it to a friend and join the Facebook group, continue the conversation there. And we'll come right back and have a bit of an after party slash clarity call with me. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Okay, a few of you may have recalled a few weeks ago, I loosely spoke to John about um, buying a block of land and I have been chewing on this for a while and it's coming to crunch time. Um, It's in a highly sought after new area and they're not accepting the formal expression of interest until tomorrow morning. So they, you know, they just literally send it in after 9am and we were going to allocate the lots in order that they come in. Um, so it is crunch time. I have paid a $1,000 holding deposit. Um, so I guess if they don't allocate me a block of land, I'll get the thousand dollars back. So I just wanted to have a bit of a sanity check with John before I commit to this, Mm. you know, it, the Glenn Jameses of the world were pretty much a shoot first, fire second. Uh, but I have had some time to mull over this. You have. Um, and I'm pretty comfortable. But yeah, so John, I want to get a $350 clarity call right now, please. Thank you. I feel as though uh, it's been an ongoing clarity call with you for the last three years. Absolutely. <laughs> You're learning. <laughs> yes. Now it's, I suppose, when you first came to me with this, uh, next brainwave idea that you've got. Mm. Um, it was one that I thought, well, it's better than the last couple that he's had. Yeah, That he didn't act on. That he didn't act on, mm. yeah. Um, because I, I suppose if we look at your situation, you've got a office at home. We're sitting a- in my garage at the moment. It's decked out as a studio, double car garage. Yeah, and there's been, I suppose, some angst from yourself to say, well, this isn't a sustainable long-term outcome. Mm. So how can we change the narrative? What are we going to do for Glenn James's personal life to be separate from his working life? Mm. Now, that might not mean uh, having a, a commercial office. It might just mean buying another space that's going to be more suitable because it is uh, getting a bit crampy in here mm. because you've – 
created this um, conglomerate of a business. Mm. So when you said, right, I can buy a block of land for X, uh, I can build it for Y, property prices totaled for, for that amount in this area um, seem pretty reasonable mm. for that total outlay. I don't know if you want to share the, the numbers. It's but, probably irrelevant, yeah. so we don't have to. Uh, and at the same time, you can get an outcome for your business as well in, in respect to um, separate studio or ex- larger mm. setup that's going to be separate from your house. I thought, well, that's a win-win. Mm. You get a new house, which I know you like new flashy stuff, but we don't want to overpay for what we're going to do. Um, so worst case, and I always think worst case, you're going to get your money back. Mm. First of all, your $1,000 if you don't get that block that's going on sale tomorrow. And secondly, if you build it for X and Y, it's going to be absolutely worth that as a minimum on completion. So I guess just to reverse up a little bit for people who may have not have heard the logic in other episodes or whatnot, um, like I want my garage back at the moment where I'm living. Like I just, you know, I just do. Uh, if you've lived with a, a garage to park your car in, you just know it's a luxury that you really like. Yeah, and, and I think... But it's also the more the, the mental space that it is so close to home, quote unquote, my workspace. Yeah, and I was talking to, about this before we went on air. Uh, when I'd normally do a clarity call, I, I probably spend the first 15, 20 minutes getting to understand the personality and the risk profile. Right. So we've already cut to the chase with that because I know both of those in your situation. And single guy can work with a studio in his house if you're a, um, a husband and father of three kids it's almost impossible to do that, I would think, in, in uh, most cases. So you've survived longer than most mm. and you've got to the stage where, yeah, I'm, I'm outgrowing this thing. Yeah, because I like – and I have been oscillating in my mind and I really um, – as long as I'm on this planet, if I don't have to have another commercial lease, I'll be a happy guy. So I've been – you know, I have yeah. been looking at – you know, do I buy a factory bay for the business and deck that out as a studio and then oh, I've got all the... Yeah, you, you don't like getting told what to do really. No. Um, so having that in your control is really good. The only thing I'd question is, and I'm here to question, mm. is are we buying just an upgrade of the current lifestyle that you've got? So are we... Building another brand new house, which is great for for your lifestyle and your needs, Mm. but are we just building a bigger studio on that piece of land uh, and are we going to get sick of or is that going to wear thin the fact that your business and your personal are in the one house? Yeah, and that's what I kind of want to walk down the garden path. So the way I thought it out, like the estate that I want to buy in, it's near the water. So, you know, I've got a boat, so I've put an expression of interest in for a corner block so I could have a, a boat gate up one side and then the house at the front. Yep. And then what I was thinking was a double-storey house and then downstairs off the side, like as a dual lock, um, set it up um, as the studio and then if I do want to move out, it can be retrofitted to a... 
a master bedroom or something like that. Mm. So, because one thing I do need is height. Yeah. Like you can see all the lights here. We don't have the height. So I was thinking, do I just do a sunken master bedroom or something? Yeah. And at least so we retrofit it. Yep. Um, so will the will the staff and the and the public be no. able to access it? Well, they will, but I usually like no one works from here. Like mm. Nath has come down sometimes when he needs to edit or whatnot. But if it's staff, would only be one person. Yeah. Okay. And there's not going to be any. There probably won't be that many people coming to the studio yeah. because I want it to be more of a YouTube face to camera thing. Yeah. Um, so it's been that that the business model has evolved. It has, and, and that's probably what I haven't told you. Like you know how we've we used to have the three chairs here and yeah. film every episode. Like I'm just not doing that anymore. No. There's just no vow. Like just cost benefit. Mm. So we're changing the YouTube strategy. So it's just going to be me doing my face to camera 15 minute things. Yeah. So. We, there won't really be guests at the studio. No, because that does change the landscape a lot. Mm. When you don't have to have people in your house slash studio yeah. and it's just you, Yeah. at the end of the day, you can shut the door, lock it up and... and I mean, if I, if I do it as a, a grandparents retreat, quote unquote, there can be a kitchenette there and a, a bathroom. Mm. So if Nath does come down and the days that we are shooting, well, yeah. that's fine. He doesn't have to go in through all my crap. But. Yeah, and I think I've got a financial wealth hat on as well mm. as – because this is more for Glenn James lifestyle, not so much investment, let's make a truckload of money. No. Um, it's definitely a, a life thing. So – but while we're there, we might as well be strategic in our thinking mm. so that can we create a situation where it's it's not a granny flat but it's, it's decked out, as you said, so that you could independently rent that out at some stage down the track. If you mm. don't like the area you're in, you could get uh, multiple incomes from that property. Mm. So, and so I guess what I'm thinking of, John, like I've committed the land won't be available for registration for 12 months. Yeah. So what will happen is if I get allocated one, they'll send the contracts to my solicitor, we'll agree on the terms and we will settle on the land. So it's almost like an off the plan. Mm. So we sign the contracts I pay a 10% deposit and some stamp duty. And then in 12 months time, they say, could be more, probably will be given that it's yep. building and construction. They will say, okay, it's been 12 months time. We can now settle on the land. Then I have to pay the balance of 90%. Yeah. So the risk that I've got throughout the next 12 or so months is I've got X amount, my 10% tied up. And then when I settle on it, I'll have to pay and buy the rest of the block of land. Yeah. So just for the for the listeners, um, there's yeah, as you said, it's it's pretty much an off the plan purchase or commitment. Yeah. Uh, so worst case on settlement of that land, you can sell it yeah. on sell it for what you've paid for it. So yeah. we need to be do our research in the area in terms of land values, and I, I think you've done that. Uh, the second thing is when you go into something like that where it's a two-part contract, you're going to have the land contract and then you'll have a build contract. So we need to ensure that you can build on it what you want to build on it before you sign the land contract. You mm. don't want to get to the stage where 12 months' time you've settled. Oh, hang on, that five-bedroom double-storey thing, I can't actually do anymore. 
or, or I couldn't, I can't do because I didn't check it out. Yeah, so there are covenants, uh, design covenants for the estate. Like yeah. you can't have a purple door and you yeah. know yellow fence and stuff like that. Yeah, um, there are some guidelines. Um, they said dual locks can only be on corner blocks. Yeah, so I'm getting a corner block. That's you. So, look, and, and this is it. Like I'm just thinking, worst case scenario in 12 months time, if my plans change, I can either flick it. Mm. Uh, or I can build a house on it and then flick it or build a house on it and keep it and tenant it. Yes. Or build a house, move into it. And even if my studio isn't there, it yeah. ends up being somewhere else. So could you build a dual lock? To start with? Yeah. I, I don't know yet. Yeah. Like I possibly. But then this is the thing, John, like I would rather build it primarily for my own personal Enjoyment, and, and I've probably never asked you this, but mm. if it, and you might not know the answer to it, but in twenty years' time or even ten years' time, don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but what were you going to ask? <laughs> <laughs> what will you be doing? Yeah. <laughs> no, could you see yourself living there and not having lived there before? You you probably don't know the answer, but is it likely that you'll be still in the region? I would like to, like, because we've talked, like, I looked at renting houses at Merriweather and all that. Like, I would like to buy up there. Yeah. But I don't have $3 million to buy a house at Merriweather. No. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, um, yeah, I don't know. Because we, we don't want to do something just because we can, because we've got the money and we saw a glossy brochure and, and I'm just now going to commit to this. Are you talking me out of it? <laughs> no, I'm not. But I'm asking searching questions that I normally would. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and obviously this conversation hasn't been formalised too much. But um, yeah, can you see yourself being there in ten years' time if it's what you need from a lifestyle yes. perspective? Yes. Okay. So that makes me sleep easier. And like I've already got the wheels in motion to get a boat mooring as yeah. well. Because with the outlay of, of stamps and holding costs and other things, uh, if, if it's, I don't know, let's say you purchase something for $1 million, right? Mm. You've got um, stamps on that. You've got holding costs on that. So when you, you need to sell it for 1.1 or 1.2 to get your money back as a worst case. Yeah, and the way I'm kind of seeing it is I really don't have to really decide – um, until a couple of months out from settlement, mm. realistically. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose high level, you did the off-the-plan apartment, mm. which similar sort of thinking. We mm. knew that, yeah, we could settle um, on sell it, uh, live in it or just rent it out. Mm. And now it probably sounds like, well, you are renting it out. Yeah. So that's worked out okay. Mm. Even if there wasn't any growth in it, it still worked out okay. Mm. And and the thing with something around here is our from Sydney purchase price, knowing what it is, uh, is extremely cheap for Sydney people. Yeah, well, I asked someone in Sydney the other day. I said, "Oh, I'm getting a block of land up there. What do you reckon yeah. it's worth?" Yeah, and they said two hundred thousand dollars more than what I'm going to pay for it. Yeah, so we know that relatively, it's pretty good price yeah and with any land release just again for listeners you want to get in in the first stage okay well or, or the first few stages yeah, i'm the i'm the second stage of three 
Yeah, okay. So you've, you're in the first half of Pretty much. the release or close enough to. Yeah. So because the if you're in, say, a five-stage release and, and you buy in stage five, you're pretty much getting the dribs and drabs. And, and the horse is bolted with price, hasn't it? Correct, because yeah. it's gone up with each stage release yeah. and the blocks have usually got smaller, smaller and inferior. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so D-Day tomorrow. Mm, we'll see what happens. Mm. But there we go, everyone. If you want a clarity call for your own situation, go to sortyourmoneyout.com, click Get Help. You can just scroll down and there's a link to John's website. You don't have to fill out my form. You can go direct to him. Uh, and, you know, $350, spend an hour with John. He'll get some details. And it's just been a really good help to a lot of people out there listening, just wanting clarity. And you've given me clarity today. That's good. Mm. I'm but, glad I won't inverse you. But you, I've got you a, didn't click through. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a gift for you, John. Oh, wow. There you go. Thank you. Do you want you to see signed it? Have a look what's in the front. There's a little book for John that I've, wow. I've given him. Dear John, thanks for your support. Cheers, Glenn. Is that your actual signature? You bet it. It's not your PA. No. Nope. We signed, we as in me, yeah. <laughs> signed a thousand, <laughs> a thousand of these books. Uh, look, I'm privileged. Thank you very much. Now, Liz. there's a bookmark in there. Oh, yes. What page is that at the bottom? Uh, 209. Move over Warren Buffett. I'll take it from here. Yeah, but see what I've done there? Franking credits? <laughs> no, see the line through it. Oh, where? Oh, mate. What, what page number? Uh, 208 is the so, line. Yeah, so yeah. when you get your book, everyone, I apologize. There's an error on page 208. The discount can vary from state to state. Oh, the CGT, is it? Yeah. Oh. So no. something's <laughs> happened in the copy editing stage oh. where that should be three paragraphs before when we talked about state-based stamp oh, duty. right. Wow. So that's annoying. We have to fix that for the second issue. But I'm going to put – and I'm only picking that up because when I'm reading it out loud yeah. for the audiobook, yeah, yeah. I'm like reading, I'm like, hang on, that's, that's not right. right. What the hell? So, so my apologies, so did you, everyone. Did you cross it out? You didn't cross it out in a thousand books. No, no, no just on just your mine. <laughs> But I am going to do a corrections thing because there are a couple of little yeah. typo things that – but they say it happens with every book, first release. Like you just, you know. Mm, cool. Love the smell of a new book. Oh, so good, isn't it? Yeah. But, oh, thank you. Much appreciated. No, that's right. It was one of the faulty ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so on the back seat, it's creased on the back page. Oh, you wouldn't have noticed, but there you go. Yeah. Nah, I'll give you. you some more. Anyway, we'll get out of here. Thanks so All much right. for listening, everyone. And uh, we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.